today on It's Time. He forgives us. I don't have to be sought to find love in the world. I don't have to curtsy to the world to be liked by the world. I hear the calling. It's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. is God lays an axe to your past. I like that. In fact, Jesus said it like this. Anybody looking back is of no use to the kingdom because you will never plow a straight line. Why is that? Because you don't know, you can't see where you're going. You're looking backwards. So genealogies don't matter. Your past doesn't matter. Now, I think this is important because a lot of times I like to blame genealogies for a lot of things in my life. Well, you know that old German temper. No, it's the old sinful nature temper. Well, you know that old Italian temper. Well, no, it's this that old sin nature. We like to blame sometimes things on others. Now, the, the important part is this. I think there's a lot of blame, and I think there's a lot of junk that has happened to all of us in life. You know, I've rarely ever met anybody who said, well, they never have a problem. In fact, they were walking down the road and they stubbed their toe and they looked down and there it was, a golden nugget. Usually, if I stub my toe, I usually break one of them. It isn't, it isn't this, um, everything goes your way. But what I have found is that as a Christian, God takes those things in my past, those uncomfortable situations, and God actually can use those to bless other people. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, it's interesting. Paul writes and he says, comfort one another with the comfort that you have received from God. In other words, how God ministered to you in that situation, you then minister to somebody else in that same way. Hey, honey, I don't exactly know what it's like to perhaps have a, 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 a brother die, but I know when my mom died, I shed a lot of tears. And it's with empathy we reach out to one another. Now, there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is, I feel so bad for you. You're an unfortunate one, aren't you? Empathy is different. Empathy says, I feel what you feel. I understand the shoes that you're in. I may not have exactly the same uh, surroundings as you do. I may not have the same exact definition of what's happened in my life as you have, but I understand the grief. But I want to tell you, this is how God got me through it. And I'm here to pray with you to help you get through what you're going through. That's what love is, friends. That's what empathy is. And so he says, fables, endless genealogies. 
which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, for the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Again, love is what people are looking for. You know, I remember back in the late 60s, early 70s. Yes, I was around there when the earth was cooling and I had a pet dinosaur. But anyway, but the idea of love was what people were looking for. I mean, if you listen to the, any old rock and roll songs on the radio, they were always singing about love. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. And then you hear all about this, but you didn't see it exemplified much. Their idea of love was hanging, you know, handing you a baggie of dope and, oh man, hey man, let's love group together, you know, kind of thing. The problem was, it wasn't real. It didn't last. Anybody that grew up to that. I always use the illustration of the Beatles song. All, love is all you need. Love is all you need. And then they broke up. They all, great. Whatever love that is, I don't want that love. But there was a real love. There was God's love. And the ability to share in the late 60s, early 70s, which I think contributed greatly to the Jesus movement, was because people were looking for love, and Jesus was the real deal. The problem is, today, people are so disjointed with each other. Have you ever been to a restaurant and watched two people sitting across the table from each other, both on their iPads? Not even talking to each other. They're doing this. I'm not so surprised they're not texting each other while they're sitting at the table. And I look at that and I wonder how dysfunctional we become in interpersonal relationships. They say this is one of the greatest problems of the millennials right now is because they become so disjointed, because they become so isolated, because they're coming from broken homes, they're from completely dysfunctional families. As though they've turned into themselves. And I do believe in order to reach out to them, and if you have kids, realize that even though you have a real, maybe a real uh, a mom and dad home, or you have a real home where kids can respond to, to real love, realize their friends probably don't. That's why they need Jesus. So we want to reach out to them. We don't want to forget to do that. But it says real love comes from, a, from a, a, a good conscience in your heart. In other words, that, that God, I'm not doing anything to be seen in men. I'm doing things because I love you. And so he says, from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith, verse 6, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither which they say nor the things which they affirm. It's really sad. He's saying here you got teachers out there teaching things. They don't even know what they're talking about. They want to be teachers of the law. Why do people like to be teachers of the law? Because it beats people up. This is how the cults manipulate the people in their organizations because, well, you got to get out there and do a lot of really good stuff. Wear blue, eat Twinkies, and sell flowers in airports. You just might make it. Well, thank you very much. I feel much better now. Well, is that really what it is? Or is our salvation yours right now? Absolutely. You don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to wonder about your salvation. I believe you're as eternally saved and insecure. I believe you're totally saved and secure as you want to be. Really important. 
You shouldn't as a Christian ever get up any morning and go, well, I wonder if I'm saved today. Well, that would imply in some way you lost your salvation. I don't believe we ever lose our salvation. I believe we can leave our salvation based upon many scriptures. In fact, the very last couple of verses here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But I don't believe we ever lose it. Losing implies I lost it. I don't I have lost my car keys. Have you ever lost your car keys? That means you ain't got a clue where they're at. Somebody said one time, you know, I found my car keys in the very last place I looked. Well, that's good. I don't know where else you might look. I have lost my car keys. I know where they are. I can't get them. I remember one time I went water skiing. I had a pair of cutoffs on. I had holes in my pockets. I, by nature, put my car keys in my pocket. My friend took off in the boat. I pull up on, and I hear something hit my water ski. I hear a chink, and I, I'm skiing along going, I wonder what that was. Oh, well, I don't care. Until it came time to pull the boat out. And I go, no keys, chink. Oh, not good. So I know my keys. I have a set of keys to my truck in the bottom of the river out here at Shoshone Falls. Somewhere. If I lose something, I haven't got any idea where it is. If I leave something, I know where it is. I choose not to pick it up. Big difference. I never want to be in the place with my relationship with God where I leave him out of my life. Because that would indicate that I know where he is. I just don't want to walk with him. Now, here's the problem. When we take a stride from the master's side, it's always going to end up in a mess. Why is that? Because you do not have that divine guidance. Why do you think, as we studied last week and the week before, Paul saying in the book of Galatians, Abba, Father. That means Daddy. You know, you, you have a father in heaven, not as an ogre with a big old mallet. Okay, when I do something wrong, this whacking. No, it, it's a dad. You crawl up in his lap. That's the relationship your heavenly father wants to have with you. I love that. I know for some of you, maybe, that never met your father. Or you had an abusive father. One that threw you against walls or whatever. Come home drunk, screaming at your mom. And maybe your idea of a father is not real good, but I want to tell you, you've got a father in heaven that is everything you think a dad should be. And that's one of the things that God does. Is whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have a daddy that we crawl into his arms. And I believe that is so important. You see, the law was meant to show us how much God loves us, but how far we've all missed the mark. Jesus dying on the cross paid that price and reconciled us to the Father. If we look at verse 8, he says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, if you use it right. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for a lawless person. And insubordinate for the ungodly and for the sinners and for the unholy and the profane and the murders and the father of uh, and the murders of father and the murders of mothers for manslayers. 
for fornicators, for sodomites, kidnappers, liars, perjurers. And if there's any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel, blessed be God, which, is, which was committed to my trust. He's saying the law is not for righteous, it's for unrighteous. I like that. If you're righteous here today, you don't, you're not under the law. You're under Christ. What a difference. Why is that? Because God puts his moral conscience in us. I like that. Notice he says in verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, I think this was probably a real, a real thought for Paul because here he was, and for those that don't know this, Paul, before his name was Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul went around persecuting the church. He was a tiger. He just would eat Christians alive. This was his whole gig. And I know it probably really bothered him. And it probably was somewhat of a bewilderment. Because why, God, would you pick me, who once persecuted your church, now encouraging your church? I'm sure it was probably a real change for him. So he says putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained, here's the word, mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. That word mercy, we go back to the original greeting here, gives us a little bit of an idea. That mercy, Paul, I think, bothered him. I think Paul, when he realized that he was persecuting God's church, I think it bothered him. But the good news is this. No matter how bad we've ever been, God will forgive us over anything we've ever done. And so this is why I believe Paul is writing this way. And the grace of our Lord was extended literally to me abundantly with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. You see, he realized that he was a recipient of God's forgiveness. But you know what? When you're forgiven... I found something. You can forgive. If you're not forgiven, you hold grudges, your little veins pop out in your neck. And oh, every time I see that person, oh, there they are in the store. Maybe I should just run over them with my car. You know, it's funny how, how we are sometimes. You know, two minutes before, we can be all happy and cheery eating a box of C's candy. Happy. And then you see that person, well, here's some good news. Paul recognized that he was a recipient of God's grace. When you're forgiven, you can forgive others and extend to them that very love that God has given to us. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners whom I am chief. He didn't say I was chief. He said I am chief. Why is that? I believe Paul recognized whether we're committing a sin or we're thinking about it, we need Jesus. We just do. And you know what? If you don't have Jesus governing your life, what's governing it? If you don't have Jesus to talk to, who are you talking to? Where are you getting your direction from in your life? When you stop to realize that all the things that Jesus will do in your life, 
It's amazing. He forgives us. We're loved. I don't have to be sought to find love in the world. I don't have to curtsy to the world to be liked by the world. In fact, the more I'm in Jesus, the more I realize how sick our world really is. I've shared this many times before. If you notice the TV programs and how they always make the dad in the sitcom the idiot in the room. Do you think that's by accident, friends, or do you think that's deliberate? I believe it's deliberate. Why? Because I don't believe the devil wants any person to have a concept what a loving dad is like. If you compare Father Knows Best, My Three Sons, even the Andy Griffith Show, compared to Bart Simpson, compared to Modern Family, compared to any of these new uh, sitcoms that are on television, the dad is always the idiot. The 13-year-old kid in the room knows way more than his father does. Why is that? The devil doesn't want anybody to have a concept of a loving father. It's perpetrated in our society, but I got some great news for you. You do have a father in heaven that does love you. And as it says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that it was in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We'll stop here today. That's not the end of the chapter, but we'll stop here because I want to get into some things next week. But as we look at this, we realize you have a dad in heaven that loves you. Jesus gave it all for us. I like that. He's got your back. But he's also got your front. That's a good thing. God knows more about tomorrow than I remember about yesterday. That's why I can trust him. You know, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples right before he died. And Jesus looked at his disciples. He says, how long I've longed to break this bread with you. Because Jesus knew that this was really the end of his earthly ministry as far as that close interpersonal relationship with his disciples before he died on the cross. And we remember he was in the upper room. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we remember that Jesus held up the bread and broke it. This is my body, which is broken for you. And he passed it around to the disciples. Then he held up the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, New Testament, which is shed for you. And Jesus passed that around and they partook of it. Now, what's amazing, Peter says, by his stripes, we are healed. That breaking of Jesus's body for our healing. Now, that tells me a couple of things. First, we need to be healed. You say, but Mike, I feel fine. I don't have any cancer. I, I don't have any, any aches or pains. I'm doing great. That's good. But as we shared earlier, you're a composite being. You're a body, mind, and spirit. If any one of those are out of order, you have difficulty in your life, don't you? You can have a very well mind, but a very sick body. You can have a very sick body and a very well mind. You can have all these different things, but unless it all works together, it creates... A hardship. Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. 
Jesus' body was broken so our memories could be healed. Our ability to love and be loved be healed. Have you ever met a hermit? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you are one. I don't know. But I guarantee you the reason why people get that way is because they've been hurt by so many people in their life. And they recluse. They just don't want to be around anybody else because you might hurt me. I know many people that have been involved in many different relationships. And they've been hurt in relationships. And I go, well, I I don't want to be alone, but I don't want to take a chance on going out with anybody because I'll just get hurt again. They, they, they recluse. They, they build a shell. They build a wall. Occasionally, they'll look over the wall to see what everybody else is doing and go, whoop, just as crazy as I thought it was. And they duck back down. Your heart has been hurt. See, this is what Jesus came to heal in communion. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It is not by an 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church or a bronze statue in the church parking lot. It's by a special dinner that was commemorative when the death angel passed over the land of Egypt on the 10th last plague. When Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go, and every single time Pharaoh hardened his heart against the miracles of God. The more miracles God did, the more harder his heart got. Same way I guess it was with the Pharisees and Jesus. And we remember on the very last one, God told Moses, put blood on the door. And when the death angel passes over, he'll see that blood and he'll pass over your eyes. You know something really interesting about that? And a lot of people don't catch, and I didn't catch for many years myself. It didn't matter in the children of Israel's home how vile the person might be. Yes, this child of God, this Jewish person, but contrary, cussing and swearing, doing all kinds of nasty, terrible things. But as long as the death angel saw the blood, it did not go in and kill the firstborn. It didn't matter how bad that blood was on that home. When the blood was there, the person was spared. I like that. You see God's mercy even back then. And so I want to just remind you a, a couple of things. One, you have a means to be healed. In fact, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, it says, when you partake of communion in an unworthy fashion, it's not speaking of you being unworthy. Technically, I suppose we're all unworthy. But it's speaking in looking at communion as just a, a juice and crackers. When you look at it wrongly, it doesn't have the effect on you that God wants it to have on you. In fact, he says, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you. Why? Because rather than it being an element of healing, it became a dead ritual with no meaning. And the people that were partaking of it had had no effect on This morning, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray. Because you need to get right with God. Because you're still serving yourself. Your life is going to end up in a quarter for a box. In a box. A quarter for a box. You don't want that. You want your life where God looks at you and says, Well done, good and faithful. Boy, I got some rewards for you. That's what you want. So we pass from death unto life. I've got to get rid of the sin to be about my daddy's business. We're going to pray right now. If you'd like to pray and ask Christ into your life, we're going to do that. For those listening on the internet and around the world. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. 
And I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. So forgive me of my past, my present, my future. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to be about your business. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Father, may I just live for you each day in that joy that comes from you. And I trust you with my eternity and thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.